We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, this is Jeremy Stoltz. I just wanted to get at you before the start of the podcast. I made a recording mistake. I did not plug in my headphones, so Aaron's voice has a slight echo to it. I hope it doesn't bother you. My apologies, and it will not happen again. Have a good one. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. This is the second podcast of the 2016 training camp session. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of Bear Report, here with Bears insider Aaron Lemming. How's it going, Aaron? It is good. We are uh, what, a little bit away from the first preseason game, and football is getting started, and so I can't really complain. Yeah, live football for the Chicago Bears starts tomorrow. Uh, first preseason game. At Soldier Field against the defending champion, Denver Broncos, 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time tomorrow. That will be the first chance most Bears fans will have to see this team live and see them uh, in, in uh, you know, their full pads and playing in, a, in live action. And that will be the first time most have seen them since you know last December. So football is here, folks. We've been talking about it for a while. We've been getting excited about it. But it's actually here, and tomorrow it all starts. Uh, let's roll over the schedule real fast. Uh, we have the game tomorrow at 7 p.m., and the Bears get a day off. Then this weekend, they have practice, two practices at Hallis Hall, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. I will be at both of those. Then they move out to New England, where they're going to have two joint practices against the Patriots. I will not be uh, in the Boston area for those. They have that second preseason game the following Thursday against the Patriots, and then they come home for a couple of practices after that. And that's pretty much the end of training camp, and then we, we finish up the preseason, and the regular season is going to be here. Before you know it, uh, did it seem as long? I mean, this this crept up on me this season. How about you, Aaron? Yeah, it really has, and I thought it was weird that they. Uh, it seemed like a really short schedule, at least in terms of 
you know, training camp or the live open practices that they had. So I was actually going to ask you, I mean, is there any reason behind that? Is it just how things fell this year with the joint practices? Or do you, I mean, what's your, what's your take on that? Or do you know anything about it? Yeah, I think it, a lot of it did have to do with the joint practices and the fact that they are going out to New England. And, uh, I, you know, I honestly, personally, I just don't think that John Fox is a big fan of uh, being down in Bourbon A and being away from the facilities. And I'm not sure he sees the value in it. Uh, back in the day when I first started back in 2011, it was over three weeks of training camp. We were down there for 10 days in uh, Bourbon A. So, yeah, it was short. It was quick. Uh, they're not. It's not as if they're they're cutting off the practices like we talked about the joint practices in New England. There will still be four more te- technically considered training camp practices. They just won't be in Bourbon A. So I think it really just had to do with location, and uh, John Fox just kind of wanting to get back into the regular uh, routine and uh, you know get things going and get things prepared. You know Bourbon A down there. That's a, that's an adjustment. It's an adjustment for the players. It's an adjustment for everybody. So I think that you know the quicker they got back here, everybody got settled. And, uh, you know, a lot of the new players have new homes, things like that, you know, so, uh, you know, getting a back there a little bit early might do them a little bit better. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I can't complain. I'm not a huge fan of being down in training camp, but we did learn a whole lot. A whole lot happened, even since our last podcast. And I guess the, the biggest news is the the Hronis Grassu injury torn ACL in his right knee happened during family night on Saturday. Uh, let me get your thoughts first, and then I'll chime in. Well, I think it, I mean, He's a starting player, so it hurts. And I've talked about it, and we've talked about it quite a few times, and I've been very vocal about it on Twitter. I, I thought Hironis Rossi was going to be a player that really took a big step in year two. So from a personal standpoint and my expectations, yeah, it's very disappointing, and I think it is uh, you know, a little bit of a downgrade. But at the same time, uh, you have a guy like Ted Larson who is an experienced NFL veteran. Uh, I actually think he profiles a little bit better at center anyway, so I think this is a, you know, a little bit of a nice adjustment. But if you really look at what they had in Rossi last year at center, he was pretty bad. I mean, there's really no way around that. So I thought he was going to take a big step this year, but when you're really looking at improvement from year one to year two, uh, I, I think at very worst, Ted Larson is still a small step above what Rossi was last year. And, you know, in a, in a normal case scenario, I think it's going to be quite noticeable. So uh, overall, I think it it definitely hurts because he's a third-round pick, and this is a guy that you want out on the field. This is somebody that you invested not really monetarily in, but you invested a third-round pick in him. Uh, you know, he's, he's good friends with Kyle Long. You know, they played play college ball together, and it's a big adjustment for Cutler as well. But I don't think it's anything that they can't overcome, and I, I don't think this is season-altering in any way, shape, or form. What about you? No, I agree, and I think the biggest uh, problem with the injury is that he did look so good during training camp, and I think that's the issue that so many people have. Uh, you know, they read the reports. You know, I wrote about it uh, a lot, and, you know, the one-on-one pass rush drills, he was just dominating Eddie Goldman pretty much every snap that they had. And, you know, he, he added that 10, 10, 15 pounds in the offseason, and that carried over well. And I think, you know, he, he was able to maintain his footwork, his quick feet, his ability to move, get to the second level where he's at his best. But that 10 pounds also allowed him to anchor a little bit better. And, you know, you would see uh, some of the guys try and put spin moves on him. And, you know, he'd anchor against that bull rush, but he still had the quick feet to get in front of that spin move. So you were, you, you, we were definitely seeing progression out of Ronis Dressu, and that's the, the biggest uh, disappointing part about all of this. If he, if he looked in camp like he did last year, then I would say no problem, let's just move on with Ted Larson. But, uh, you know, Dressu was taking steps forward this year, and that's what's so disappointing. He will miss the entire season, not going to be back until next year. So 
that's a big blow for his development and uh, you know what could have been in his second season. But I, I agree with you. Uh, I like Ted Larson. I, he's been one of the more surprising offensive linemen for the Bears so far in camp. Uh, a scrappy veteran, the type of guy who will do whatever it takes uh, to get the job done, knows all the tricks of the trade, and, and has played the center position before. So he has experience making those calls and uh, being in that pivot spot. So I, I you know, I, I don't think that Larson can move as well as uh, Grassu could, but I think Larson brings a little bit more toughness than Grassu uh, w- would have been able to. And I say that, and, and, and I'll, I'll bring up one play that happened uh, at the last practice, at the last training camp practice yesterday. Uh, Goldman and Akeem Hicks, who I've talked about a lot, and how he's just been a beast in training camp, they did a cross stunt. And uh, Goldman shot left and cleared out the, the uh, right side of the offensive line, and Hicks swung back inside. Larson saw Hicks coming, drove a forearm into Hicks' chest, and put him on his butt. I mean, I cannot express to you how impressive it was to see him take one arm and drop a 320-pound behemoth and put him on his butt. So I don't think that's a play that Grassu would have been able to make, and I think that just you know, kind of gave me an indication of the type of toughness that Larson's going to bring to that pivot spot. And I really don't think that, you know, like I said, it's not the end of the world. It's not, you know, it's a disappointing loss. But, uh, you know, that's why they had Larson. He has experience at that spot. And I think they should be just fine in the in the interior of the offensive line. Now, depth is an issue here. I mean, depth not only along the interior. Obviously, with Grassu out, Larson was supposed to be the swing tackle, the backup center. Now he's thrust into the starting role, and there's now depth issues at guard, at center, and also at offensive tackle, which Ryan Pace tried to address uh, today by signing Mike Adams and waving Nick Becton. Becton was a little bit banged up uh, during training camp and uh, you know didn't really play up to his potential, didn't look like a legitimate swing tackle, and that's why the Bears are getting Mike Adams, a former second-round pick, out of Ohio State. Your thoughts? Yeah, I... Uh... I, yeah, he was a high round pick. Um, I, he's had some injury issues, and overall, I think what you're going to get, especially on the market right now, and just in general, I mean, really, if you look at what the Packers had last year, they had a great offensive line, and depth's always been an issue. I mean, there is not 32 teams that have you know great offensive lines, or even good, or even average offensive lines. So I think ultimately. Uh, I think Adams is a guy that probably makes sense for the swing tackle position, at least for the time being. Um, you know, he is coming off that back injury that he missed the whole entire 2015 season. Uh, so, I mean, if he was, if he has to start one or two games, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. If he has to start half the season or more, then I think that's definitely going to be an issue. But at the same time, I think you could really go back to say with the Packers, and you can look at what they had. And they had Don Barclay that was just absolutely horrible, even though they had a great offensive line. you know. And it, When you start seeing injuries, that's just what happens. So uh, I, I do expect them to try to make some sort of move. I don't think it will really be a trade per se, but I think you know when we get towards the end of, uh, end of the preseason, you get those roster cuts. I think the first one is on the 28th, I want to say, and it's right after the third preseason game. And then right after the uh, – fourth preseason game, I think it's that Saturday, they have to have the cut downs to 53. So I think you're going to see a decent amount of movement there. I think they'll pick up a few guys. But ultimately, uh, I mean, when you start getting into the depth, especially at the tackle position, I mean, it's just, it is what it is at this point. I mean, if, if they have one of their guys go down for an extended amount of time, they're probably going to be in trouble. But uh, I think they can do a lot worse. I mean, if you really look at it, especially with Nick Beckton, I mean, this is somebody that, in my opinion, they were never really too comfortable with. I mean, you saw... 
it seemed like almost every single chance they got, they were trying to, you know, find a, find a viable swing tackle. I mean, even going back to Nate Chandler, they had, uh, was it Jake Long? And I mean, they've had multiple guys that they brought in. So it's obvious that they've never really been too comfortable. And then, you know, he has, uh, I think he was injured or sick. I can't, there's been so many guys on the, on the, uh, the list lately that haven't been practicing and, in a, in a situation like this, I mean, you really you have to be there. So ultimately, I don't think it's uh, I I don't think he's going to be any worse than Nate Chandler would have been. And I don't see very many people, nobody really batted an eye at them signing him. So uh, you know, it is what it is. But you know, it's, it, <laughs> like I said, I mean, there's really there's just not many options right now, and I don't think there's going to be very many options in general. So you just kind of have to hope that you either strike lightning in the bottle with one of these, you know, these guys low on the depth chart. I know a lot of people like John Kling. Uh, don't really know much about the guy. I know he's a massive human being, but outside of that, I mean, they really don't have many options, and there's not many options in the free agent market. So uh, Adams is what it is. I mean, if they could find somebody better, but I, I, I think, it, I think if they go into the season with him, I think they could do a lot worse. What about you? Yeah, I, I think it's a matter, like you said, there's, you know, the starting offensive tackles just aren't sitting on couches waiting for phone calls right now. And I think that Pace has gone, you know, has try, exhausted a lot of different options. And this is just his next step in that process. You know, uh, Chandler retired, uh, uh, you know, Becton uh, wasn't able to get the job done. So he's just moving on to other options and hoping that somebody, uh, you know, can maybe step up and, like you said, maybe catch lightning in a bottle. But if you look at what the Bears have right now at that uh, off, uh, backup offensive tackle position, you're looking at Gary Williams and uh, Jason Weaver and, like you mentioned, John Kling. And uh, I haven't seen a whole lot out of Kling or Weaver. I don't think either one of those guys are legitimate swing tackles in the NFL. I have been impressed with Gary Williams over the past couple of days. Really locked down Leonard Floyd uh, the last couple of days in practice. Looked good at that left tackle spot. He's a six-year NFL veteran. I could see Williams, uh, you know, challenging for that spot too. But you know, you look at Adams and uh, you know a guy like Nate Chandler, even Amini Sila Tolu at the guard position. Paces kind of has a there's a pattern here with him going after guys who have been recently injured, uh, but were good before they had that injury, and now maybe hoping that they can uh, you know get healthy and. Uh, regain that their their previous form i think that's a strategy here with mike adams although he hasn't uh, he hasn't been great if you guys remember he was uh considered a, a potential option in 2012 for the bears in the first round i actually put mike adams on the cover of an old bear report magazine uh because i thought that he would he might have been you know a long-term left tackle option i know he hasn't turned he didn't turn out to be that player in uh pittsburgh i think he only started 20 of 41 games for the steelers so you know he has some experience. hasn't hasn't been a Pro Bowl player, but hey, you know this is this was a guy who was highly touted coming out of Ohio State, and who knows, maybe you know the best part of his career is ahead of him. So I, I don't think you can do, you know, I don't think he's any worse than Nick Beckton would have been, and I think he's just another option. And you know, you throw him out there and you see what can happen here in these preseason games, and let let these guys battle it out. If I had to guess right now, I would say Jerry Williams ends up with that offensive tackle uh, swing spot, but. Anything can happen here in these preseason games. So I really think that that's when this offensive line is really going to shake out and we're really going to see, you know, Cody Whitehair struggled a little bit in, in, in training camp. And we're going to, you know, if you know if he can't man up, you know, they're going to probably start moving guys around. So uh, really looking forward to see who, who really steps up with this offensive line in the preseason. So, pre, you know, like we talked about, training camp isn't technically over, but our time in Bourbon A is done I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to be able to stand on the sidelines for all 10 practices in Bourbon A, 
And, uh, you know, got to look at everybody. Up close, look at everyone, enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I can talk about them. So let's, uh, you know, Aaron, what, what do you want to know about? What do you want to know about? Well, I think, uh, and I actually did it, I guess, somewhat of a Twitter poll um, a little earlier on in the day. So I'm going to go ahead and go off of that because I asked a lot of, you know, I had multiple different responses on this. And I asked fans, you know, if, if there was one position going into preseason that was a concern for you, what would it be? And so we'll go ahead and start off. I have three main ones. So we'll go ahead and start off with the offensive line. I mean, you kind of touched on it, but, you know, even from, not even from a depth standpoint, but how is, how is the offensive line in general looking, even compared to last year? Well, uh, let me start with Bobby Massey, and I, I want to say that I think he's going to be a major upgrade as a run blocker, but I have seen him struggle in pass protection, particularly in those one-on-one pass rush drills that I like to talk about. Um, you know, just doesn't, he doesn't have very quick feet. It looks like he, you know, he, he kind of gets stuck in, in quicksand every once in a while, and I think that's his issue. If they can get him to continue moving his feet like he did in the playoffs last year, he has a little bit of potential to, to, to keep guys coming off that right edge, but I do think that Uh, He might be uh, a little bit leaky on that right edge every once in a while. Kyle Long has looked great Uh, when when he's been out there. He's been a little dinged up, but uh, you know he's been solid. Uh, We talked about the center position. I guess my biggest issue and Charles Leno has been fine. I think Charles Leno is going to be just fine at left tackle. I think anybody who was concerned about him, uh, I've seen enough out of him to know that he he's probably not going to be a Pro Bowler, but he's going to be more than serviceable on that left edge. He is not a concern for me at all. My biggest concern is the rookie, Cody Whitehair, the Bears' second rounder out of Kansas State. Uh, you know, team drills, one-on-one drills, just not getting it done. and, and uh, I, It's hard to tell what his issue is right now, uh, but, but he's getting beat, and he's, and, uh, you know, I don't, you know, there, there's typically uh, a, a development period for rookies. I mean, not everybody comes in and just starts dominating. So I'm not, like, pressing the panic button on Whitehair at this point, but I'm just telling you, he hasn't looked good. And I really want to see what he does when, the, when the, these snaps count in these preseason games. The depth really isn't there, so I don't think anybody's really challenging him for a starting spot. But I would like to see, you know, for the Bears' sake, you want to see Cody Whitehair go out there and, and get some meaningful reps and start to improve uh, because he's not there yet, but he can still get there. I think he has the talent to be there. Uh, but, you know, Whitehair, is, uh, he's a work in progress right now, and they have a lot to work to do with him over the next four weeks. Now, with that being said, do you think going into these next few games, especially with him having a lot on the line, especially to prove, do you think we're going to see him with not only the first team, but maybe the second team as well? I mean, do you think he'll get more time than some of these other guys? Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. I think I was talking with my guys on the message boards. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, you're looking at guys pretty much, you know, the rest of the offensive line are all experienced players. They've been out there. Uh, but Whitehair needs those extra reps. And, and you know, if the the coaches obviously have seen what I've seen on the practice field, so they know he can use those extra reps. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's uh, working with the second team and potentially with the third team at center, which he has done for most of training camp. I think they would like him to be their emergency center option. So don't be surprised if he's, uh, you know, if he if he gets the most reps of any offensive lineman tomorrow. So we'll keep on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, second would be tight end. I think that's really kind of been a big hole for them ever since they traded away Bennett. Now, Miller's been down for, what, a little over a week with the concussion, which is completely normal, realistically, when you look at game-time situations. But with that being said, uh, has there been anybody stick out, or is this still a pretty big concern? It's a huge concern. I mean, I'd love to tell you that somebody came in and just blew, blew me away and, and really, you know, stepped up. But, no, that hasn't been the case. And, the, you know, the issue with Miller, I think he only lasted four practices and then he got hurt. And this was the concern. This is what we kept talking about was the fact that, 
know, Zach Miller was a strong gust to win from going on injured reserve, and he only lasts four practices before he gets a concussion. So that's not a great sign, and no, and no one behind him has really, you know, taken advantage of that opportunity. They want Greg Struggs to be their blocking tight end, and he looked horrible in one-on-one pass rush drills in that role. I think he has the size to be that player. I think he has the potential to be that player, but he is not there yet. And Sam Acho, I'm not going to call it a dirty hit, but it was an unnecessary hit that bruised Struggs' lungs, or one of his lung, lungs, uh, in, in a red zone drill. We really didn't even need to hit him. So now you have Struggs sitting down. Now you have Miller uh on the, on the sidelines, and Tony Moyaki, the guy who was just a, a tryout player who they signed right before camp, he's your number one tight end right now. And while I think Moyaki, you know, he's he's just an average player, just kind of a guy. Uh, you know, he's not going to hurt you, but he's not going to help you. So I think when you when you very quickly, we've kind of seen the lack of depth and the concern about this tight end position come to fruition here. And you know, I just don't know what they're going to do if Miller gets healthy. I mean, really. Again, Moyaki's just a guy. Rob Hauser's dropping passes. Ben Broniker hasn't played in training camp because he's been injured. Uh, you know, this is a this is a mess of a position. So really, I I I don't see high hopes for anyone in that backup uh, group. And I think the Bears are just going to be you know hoping and praying that Zach Miller can stay healthy this year. Yeah, and I think that was kind of one of those that I think we both kind of knew that this is going to be a position that's probably going to be a weakness for them for most of the year. And it kind of goes, it falls into the swing tackle category as well in terms of I think they're going to be looking for anything that they can get uh, off the waiver wire. I just hope that they don't end up making a move like they did last year and trading a six-round pick for you know a guy like Kari Lee. I don't really think that's smart. <laughs> you know, so, and, and Kari Lee hasn't done a whole lot, so I, I, I doubt that will happen. Yeah, and that – Wish I could say I'm surprised about that, but I'm not remotely. Uh, but we'll move on to the last one, um, and that's going to be uh, – we'll go ahead and go with corner. I, I'm not overly concerned about safety, but corner. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, basically the, the three – I guess you could call them starters at this point – seem set, at least for most people, Fuller, uh, Porter, and Bryce Callahan in the slot. Now, uh, I, you know, the, the – Depth chart just got released, and there's been – I mean, there really wasn't very many surprises. But one of the names on there – and I've seen you mention this guy countless times, so I really want to get your thought really overall corner, but maybe some positives in terms of you know what's going on at corner. But Devontae Busby or Bosby or whatever, however you say the guy's name, uh, it seemed like he's really impressed you, and it seems like he's impressed the coaching staff because he's either third or you – know, depending on how you look at it in terms of, you know, one, two, three, you know, with the starting three in terms of corners, he's either four or five in the depth chart. So he's, you know, the next guy up, uh, you know, so how has he looked? Is he, you know, is he really as good as he's been hyped up to be? And have there been any surprises, any concerns? What's, you know, laid, laid down with the, the corners here? And hopefully we get some uh, positive reviews. Sure. Uh, well, uh, you know, let's start with the bad and then we'll go with the good. Uh, not necessarily bad, but I haven't seen a whole lot of improvement out of Kyle Fuller. This is still the same player that we've seen out of the past couple of seasons. Very inconsistent. Will make plays when he's in zone coverage and can, and, and can see the field, but he's still struggling when he turns his back to the to the line of scrimmage. And uh, I just haven't seen a lot of improvement out him out of him in man coverage. Tracy Porter has made a couple of plays, and I think we we really know what we're going to get out of those two. I, don't, I you know I'd love to tell you that they've really improved, but. Uh, you know they're, they're they're veterans at this point who uh, just are who they are, and I don't think either one of them is going to emerge as a Pro Bowler this year. They are the starters at this point. Kyle Fuller did uh, did get a slight benching, but I didn't make too big of a deal out of it. 
but I, you know, I think at the end of the day, that's who they're going to have to trot out there as you're, you're starting two boundary corners. At the nickelback is Bryce Callahan, and right now Bryce Callahan is your number three boundary corner. When they pulled Fuller out from that boundary position, they slid Callahan out wide and, and moved Demontre Hurst into the nickelback spot. At any time, whenever Porter or Fuller has had to come out, that was uh, Vic Fangio's solution, not to insert somebody else, but to slide Callahan out wide and uh, put Hurst in the in that nickelback role. I asked uh, defensive backs coach Ed Donatell about Callahan and uh, how if he feels comfortable with him in both those roles. He said, "Yeah, he said he has the quickness to play uh, in that nickelback role, but also the physicality to be to, to stand out wide and line up against some of those bigger wide receivers." So, really, to me, Bryce Callahan is kind of the glue of this uh, this cornerback uh, position right now. Um, you know, playing wearing a couple of different hats, and I think he's going to be relied upon to play a, a number of different roles, especially if injuries start to happen for that cornerback position. Moving down the line, yeah, Bosby has probably uh, been the most impressive cornerback. I do think Callahan has probably made more plays, uh, but Bosby is definitely uh, he, he's he's impressed me, and I know, like you said, he's impressed the coaching staff as well. You're looking at a six-two, hundred and ninety-pound cornerback. He has that Charles Tillman-esque size. And he's fearless out there. I mean, I've seen him make a lot of plays on the ball. I don't think he has any interceptions yet, but maybe maybe he has one if I if I remember correctly. But uh, really, you know, whenever the ball pass gets thrown his way, he's right on the receiver and and, and making plays on the ball. So I think a player with his uh, with his size right there gives you you know gives you a lot of possibilities. But then he comes out and he shows you that he's not afraid to play at this NFL level against guys like Alshon Jeffrey and Kevin White, and it gives you hope that a, a, you know a kid like this. Uh, second-year player out of Pittsburgh State can potentially, I, I, you know, right now I think he's probably the fourth guy on this uh, the cornerback depth chart, maybe five, uh, but I think he's probably four. And if a couple of guys go down, he would probably be the one who would get inserted at that boundary corner position. Good to see a young kid like that actually step up because the fourth rounder, DeAndre Hall, out of Northern Iowa, really hasn't shown me a whole lot. Big long kid. We've talked about his size. And his uh, his arm length, but uh, just really doesn't look comfortable in zone coverage. Doesn't have that awareness you look for, and uh, struggles to find the ball in man coverage. I mean, I know he has the size to play man and, and the physicality to do it, but I just don't know about his awareness and about his ability to find the football, and make plays on it in a in a timely manner. You know what you have to do at the NFL level. This is a kid coming out of uh, you know a smaller uh, division and uh, or a smaller conference, and he's just. You know, it looks like the game is a little bit too fast for him. I think Hall might have some potential down the line, but I think Bosby is actually a little bit more prepared to come in and step in and play right now if he had to. I think, uh, you know, Bosby's definitely going to be an interesting guy, and I don't think he's really, by any means, I don't think he's uh, locked in the roster by, you know, but I, I do think he's got a good shot, and I think he could surprise some people, even his depth. I mean, if if uh, he can produce something and come in in a flash, because I mean, there's going to be injuries. I mean, that's just really the reality of the situation. So, but my main guy, uh, you know, and I've talked about this a little bit on Twitter, is I really think Bryce Callahan is going to be the Bears' best corner, and not because I think Kyle Fuller is going to fail or that uh, Tracy Porter is going to take a step back from what he was last year. But I, I really do think that Bryce Callahan is a good corner. I mean, we saw limited action from him last year. He had a little bit of problems keeping healthy after he was brought up after the practice squad and yes he is an undrafted free agent but when you go back and look at what he did last year and you look at what he did at rice i mean he's he's a very good all-around corner and quite frankly i'm still under the impression that kyle fuller is more of his own corner i, I think he shows a lot of traits that he could be okay at safety um, he may even be better inside of the slot 
but I do think Bryce Callahan can play either. And by the middle of, to the end of the season, I would not be surprised to see them maybe switch Kyle Fuller, slide him inside, and have uh, Callahan go out. And like I said, it's not it's not because I think Fuller's going to fail. It's more the fact that I mean you just get these guys in the position that they need to be. And yeah, you know Callahan is five ten. He's a little bit on the smaller side, and Fuller's almost six foot. But you get the best guys where they need to be. And if Callahan is their best corner, um, really size isn't going to matter. A lot of people say that Big Fangio likes really tall corners. But if you look at some of the guys that he's had, they're all around 5'11", 6 foot. So, I mean, is an inch or two really that big of a difference if a guy can play very good or you know, play well? I don't think so. But uh, so, I, overall, I think uh, I think corner is going to be interesting. I'm not really too concerned overall with defensive backs. I mean, I think they have a much better front seven. Vic Fangio has worked really well with having kind of smaller name guys in there. Uh, you know, we've touched on that. I'm not going to go into that. So, I think I think it's setting up to be not not to the caliber probably this year that uh, Fangio's defense was in San Francisco, but I think they're well on their way. Um, so that, that's at least my uh, two cents on that. Yeah, and. Uh, Going back to Callahan, and a lot of the concern with Callahan is size, 5'9", 190 pounds. But remember, Tim Jennings was about the same size, and Tim Jennings didn't have any problem being uh, a quality boundary corner. So, you know, like you said, some guys can play and some guys just can't. I mean, Sherrick McManus has great size, but he can't cover a lick, you know. So Bryce Callahan, you know, don't don't doubt the guy. I think he's going to be a, a crucial part of this secondary this year. And I think he's, uh, you know, one of the guys that you want to watch in the preseason here moving forward, like we talked about earlier, Denver Broncos coming into Chicago for tomorrow night, Thursday night preseason football, the first Bears preseason game. A lot to watch for. A couple of things that I want to point out, and then we'll let you guys go here. Uh, most people uh, don't take these preseason games very seriously, maybe turn the TV off when the starters come off the field. But I think the, the educated fan knows that teams are uh, built during the sec- these uh, second and third team portions of these preseason games. That's where guys win and lose jobs. That's where those final roster spots are won and lost. And I think that that's what makes, you know, I know these games don't count, but that to me that's what makes preseason games so exciting is watching, who you know, who's going to come out and step up and really claim that roster spot, who's going to, you know, maybe fall down the ladder and, uh, you know, not play up to his potential. I think it's very exciting, and I think it's uh, it, it, it brings a little bit more theater to a game that, uh, d- you know, doesn't have any other meaning uh, beyond that. So let's talk about just a couple things, and we'll let you guys go. We've talked about our cornerback safety position. I think the Bears are, are, are set with Adrian Amos and Harold Jones Cordy, but I just want everyone to keep an eye on Deion Bush. He's number 26, and he's just been, you know, he, he brought the hip stick hit stick to training camp, and he's just been laying the lumber on everybody. I think Cameron Meredith has nightmares of Deion Bush right now with these many hits that he's taken from him. So, you know, pay attention to number 26 out there. See if he makes any plays. Like, again, I think Harold Jones, Cordy, and Adrian Amos are set at those safety positions. But if Bush comes out there and starts destroying people, uh, he could have the potential to uh, leapfrog into that uh, starting spot. So he's another guy to watch out for. Backup wide receiver. And I'll let you comment on this after I'm done. But backup wide receiver has really been uh, a bright spot for the Bears. A lot of guys really playing well uh, while Kevin, well, while Alshon has been dealing with his uh, uh, hamstring injury and Kevin White missed a day as well. These guys have all stepped up. Daniel Braverman, Mark Mariani, Josh uh, Bellamy, and Deontay Thompson. Those are the four guys that you really want to pay attention to. You know, the Bears can't keep seven, eight wide receivers. So they're going to have to cut somebody. So, the, you know, pay attention to these wide receivers who steps up. And uh, who, who breaks out from this group? If you had to guess, which wide receiver do you think would be the one? 
Uh, well, as far as Breakout goes, I mean, it, I'm sure most people who listen to this all the time know exactly who I'm going to say. It's Daniel Bergman. I, I really, you know, I, I think I think he's going to, it's going to be fun to watch him. I don't think, you know, he's not going to be a Pro Bowl receiver year one or whatever, but he's my most exciting. Uh, but what I will say is receiver is very interesting. Um, for me, it's more... Because I want to see what's going on with the special teams, especially with the return game. I mean, they've got, especially with uh, man, not Omar Bolin being cut, uh, they don't really have, outside of Mark Mariani, and quite frankly, I don't think he's fast enough, especially kick returns, to be doing that. Uh, they don't really have many guys that can do both at this point. So I think a lot of the players that you're going to see uh, you know, especially at receiver or guys that are, you know, on the back end that are going to be competing. I mean, you're going to have, obviously, I think Braverman, and you may be able to echo this a little bit more than me, but I would assume Braverman would be, you know, kickoff and punts. Uh, Mariani's going to be doing close to the same thing, but you also have Deontay Thompson, who's never fielded a punt in his NFL career. And then you have a guy like Kieran Duncan, who is extremely fast and has some very impressive returns. So I think that's, with receivers and in, in terms of depth, I think that's really what I'm going to be looking for, and just how the pre, uh, just how special teams shake out in general. I think that's going to be exciting, and it's it's more important than people think. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, people don't give the third phase enough credit, but that's where, where roster spots are won and lost. A guy makes a big return or a big tackle on special teams, that could, could land him on the 53-man roster. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. That's an area that you want to pay attention to as well. Finally, last thing I want you to watch, Connor Shaw, quarterback uh, number eight. He's been arguably the best backup quarterback in camp so far for the Bears. Brian Hoyer has looked pretty good. Uh, but Connor Shaw has has uh, impressed me in ways that I never thought he would. He's mobile. He's decisive. He's accurate. And has just looked, in general, like an NFL quarterback out there. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to see what he can do uh, when you know when the when the the reps are live and he's taking hits and and uh, trying to make throws against live defenses, so uh, I think he has a step up over David Fields right now for that third uh, quarterback position, and I really look forward to see him out there Thursday night against the Denver Broncos. That's it, guys. We appreciate you hanging out with us for uh, we're about 33 minutes in here. Good podcast. And uh, we, uh, we're really, really looking forward to tomorrow's game and then getting into the, the rest of the preseason and getting the regular se- season going. So if you want to follow Aaron on Twitter, be sure to follow him at Aaron Lemming NFL. Give me a follow at Bear Report on Twitter. You can also see all of our work in one place on the Facebook uh, Bear Report Facebook page. You can also come to BearReport.com where we have uh, player videos and all of my daily coverage. You can also uh, check out the Bear Report message boards. Talk to us every day. And uh, we will probably be back here within the next couple of days after this first preseason game to wrap it up. But until then, we appreciate you hanging out with us, and we hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.